You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Good morning, everybody. Hey, I don't know what happened when I was up here the first time. There was like seven of us in here, and then the lights came on, and it's full, so magic. Welcome to the Real Life Prom. Happens a couple times a year. There will be no dancing. This is church. We don't dance. I'm just kidding. Hey, sorry. Sorry, second service, I start to get a little loopy, right? Hey, uh, we're excited for the service today. I am going to tell you about some cool stuff that we've got going on. We're going to hear some neat uh, stuff from the Word of God today, but we're also going to hear some great kind of vision and mission stuff for us as a church. So before we do that, let me pray so that uh, God will help me focus and say what I need to say and not uh, be too silly. So, Lord, I love you, and I thank you that you... Um, Give us the opportunity to get together each week, Lord, that we get to get into your word. And God, that uh, it's applicable to us even yet today. And so I pray that you would teach us this morning, um, encourage us, and spur us on to be more like your son. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So you noticed uh, something a little different this morning. We got connection cards sitting out all over the place on lots of, car, on, uh, lots of seats. So one thing we're going to start doing different is we're going to start collecting connection cards every week from everybody. Now, let me give you a little bit of the reason behind the scenes on that, okay? Because depending on what your church background is or where things were, how they were done at a different church or something like that, some people that's like, oh, cool, no problem. And other people it feels really big brother and weird and they have had maybe a bad experience. Okay, so let me just tell you. This has absolutely nothing to do with us having some magic church attendance thing, like how many times you're supposed to be at church or, or keeping track. It, that's not at all what we're doing or why we're doing it. It has nothing to do with that. The reason we want to do attendance every week and do the cards and he, see who's here is because we love you and care about you and Without this tool, it makes it really, really hard for us to know who's missing. And when we don't realize who's missing until maybe it's a week or two too late, a lot of times what happens is by the time we find out someone's not been around for a while, they've been suffering at home and sick and they just didn't feel like they want to bother anybody. And had we known, we could have really come alongside them and loved on them and stuff. So the reason we do them is not because we're trying to be big brother, not because we're keeping track of you or anything weird. It's totally because we care about you. And so when someone's not in church for a while, uh, we do our very best to call anybody that's missing each week. We're not perfect. Sometimes we miss somebody, right? We're human. But we really try to check up on people in a good way. So that we give them a call and we just say, hey, how's it going? Maybe it was your work schedule changed. Maybe you just were wiped out and you slept in. Maybe you just got out of the rhythm, right? Like some of us have done. I've done that myself over the years. And so those phone calls, time and time and time and time again, have been so helpful to so many people that we don't want to miss the opportunity to check up on somebody in a good way, right? There's been so many people that have been blessed as people have called them and checked up on them and said, man, it was really awesome. Somebody actually cared. Somebody noticed I wasn't there. And um, just in the last two weeks, both Sundays, I've had people come up 
and say thanks to me just for giving them a call because of this very reason. Like, hey, I noticed you weren't here. I'm not calling to give you a guilt trip or be uh, weird about it. I just actually am checking on you. Like, are you okay? How's things? Is something up? And, you know, in one case, it was a work-related thing. In another case, it was a guy who just said, hey, I just got out of the rhythm of it, you know, and it was really good to get the phone call. It was kind of a little, as us guys, sometimes we need a little kick in the butt, right? And he's like, it was that kick in the butt I needed, like, I need to be here. And I appreciated the phone call. So that's what that's about. Also, on the card on the bottom, there's spots on there to talk about how to get connected in a care group, or if you've got uh, questions about a different ministry, or baptism, or church membership, there's little things you can check on there. Real simple, right? And then the back of it is prayer requests and a name. So we pray for these every week. Not, not like throw them in a pile and we pray for the pile. We actually, every individual card is part of our Monday morning staff meeting. As a staff, as a team in Pullman, we actually physically lay hands on these things and pray for the individual prayer requests on here, right? So if you turn it in, Count on us to pray for it. They're also really neat because you don't have to just do prayer requests. You can tell us like what's going good. Like what is uh, praise, you know, like something that's awesome going on in your life. You can tell us something happened in your care group or with your kids or really cool news about a coworker. Like we love to hear good stories. And so we'll lift those up to the Lord as well, okay? So if you're here every week, all you have to do on this is just put your name on it. Just I don't even care if you write it sideways. Just put your name on it and drop it in the bucket. That's it. That's as simple as that. If you're not sure if your info is correct and updated, then give us new info, right? Really simple. Um, every week we're going to start doing these, and then we're going to collect them when we do communion. So you've got plenty of time to fill them out. You don't feel rushed. You don't feel like you're trying to do a card when you're trying to worship or something. And uh, so we'll just pass buckets out when we do uh, communion. We're gonna try, I tried something last service that they told me I didn't, it didn't work very well. So we're gonna try Roger's way, because Roger's smarter than I am. So we're gonna start the buckets on one end and everybody just pass them all the way through the aisles and they'll pick them up on the other end. Okay, we'll try, we'll see who wins. It's a race, I don't know. Too many years of youth group, I gotta, everything's gotta be a race, right? So that's that, does that make sense? You guys gelling with that? Cool it, and if you need one, look around, your neighbor will give you one or whatever, okay? All right, so let's get back to where we were last week. Last week, we were talking about reaching the world for Jesus. You guys were significantly better than first service. You've had more time to wake up. Reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time, right? That's what we were talking about. And we looked back throughout history how God has been at work since the beginning of time, Reconciling, reconciling and restoring people unto himself through people. And we talked about like there was all these different ways he could have done it, but he didn't do that. He chose to work through individual people. And that not only has God worked that way throughout history, but we looked at our own lives, like some of my story and some of the people in your story, God has worked that way in our own lives. He's reached out and used individual people, faithful people, to share with us about Jesus and to help encourage us and spur us along in our walk. And we got to hear a lot of cool names last week. If you were here, you got to hear not only some of my story, but you got to hear the names of people in here that uh, people in their life that God used to help them get to know and follow Jesus, right? And so if last week was all about 
kind of uh, why one person at a time. As a church, why do we land on one, pe- one person at a time? Why is that the thing? We kind of zeroed in on that last week. This week is going to be more like, okay, so now what? What's our part? As Christians, what's our part? What is our piece in this? So today, the message is very explicitly, specifically for Christians, for Jesus followers. So if you're a Jesus follower, then the stuff we're going to learn about today and the the things that I'm going to share are for you. We're going to look at a little bit of uh, how God sees us as Christians now and kind of some of the responsibilities we have or our part to play in this reaching the world business. All right? So let's take a look at this first passage. In your notes, it's going to be up here on the screen too. It is in 1 Peter. Look up here. It says, uh, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And I start with this passage first because it, it helps us get an idea of how God sees us now, the position we're in with God now. Because in the Old Testament, there was a priesthood. And in order to offer sacrifices, you had to go through the priest. That was the way that you atoned for sin, that you got right with God, was through that. And that priesthood was representative of Jesus' ministry, that now, as Jesus has died on the cross and paid the penalty for sin once and for all, we now can come to God through Christ, not through the priesthood, not through any other person. So when we trust and follow Jesus, we have direct access to God the Father. There's no longer uh, any mediator or go-between us and God, right? And it says that we can offer now spiritual sacrifices, okay? We're not talking about bringing goats to church next week. We're not talking about anything weird. Like the writer of Hebrews helps us understand what does it look like to offer spiritual sacrifices? What are we talking about? Let's look at that one. He says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others for such sacrifices Uh, for such sacrifices God is pleased. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this with, uh, so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. And so we're starting to see a picture of how God sees us. We now have, through Christ, direct access to God we can come directly to him with our spiritual sacrifices. We don't, there's no in-between person, right? And, and in the, the writer of Hebrews is helping us start to see, like, what is a spiritual sacrifice? Because for a lot of us Christians in 2017, we don't do a lot of sacrificing of things to things. It's sort of a weird concept in our current life, right? We can say, I've sacrificed some of my paycheck for something, or I've sacrificed 
you know, doing what I wanted to do to take my kids to do this thing. Like, I mean, we kind of are familiar with the concept, but not really. And, and we're learning that we can actually come to God directly and offer spiritual sacrifices. And the writer of Hebrews helps us see what some of those look like. He says, first of all, one of the ways we can offer a spiritual sacrifice to God is with praise that is like the fruit from our lips. Like it's actual words coming out of our mouth. Like we're actually praising God, praying to him, speaking to God, singing songs to God is a way that we can offer up a spiritual sacrifice to God. He goes on to give us a couple more examples. This isn't meant to be some exhaustive list. It's just representative ideas of like, how could we as a Christian offer up spiritual sacrifices to God? How do, how do we go directly to God with that stuff now? And he says, that we can do good to others and we can share what we have. For those of us that are Christians, one of the ways that we can offer up a spiritual sacrifice to God is by doing good to others or sharing what we have. Now, probably a lot of us have done something nice for someone else and even shared some things we've had, money, clothes, a car, uh, you know, X, Y, Z, right? We've done that, but there's a difference in I'm doing it because of what I can get out of it or how it's going to make me feel, and, or I'm doing it and it has nothing to do with God, or God, I love you and I love what you have done for me on the cross and I'm so grateful that I have a relationship with you. My life is different now with you in it than it was before, and I'm grateful for that, and because of that, I want to help this person, and I want to offer it up to you as a sacrifice. I could just go do this and be blind to anything that you're doing out here, but I just want to offer this up to you as a sacrifice. And like, could you go to God, could God and say, I have the ability to help this gal with her car, or to help this family with clothes that they need, or give money in this situation. And it's not about what I get out of it. It's not about if it makes me feel a certain way, it's just because I'm grateful to you and I'm doing it because it's me offering it to you. And there's so many ways you could do that. Your time, your talents, your gifts, your abilities, right? It's not just money. It's not just stuff. You might know how to balance a checkbook like a maniac. You may be great with the numbers and you have a friend that really needs help with that. You may know how to cook amazing and had awesome parents that taught you how to bake and to cook and to prepare meals. And you may know someone that's really struggling in that department and wants help. And you could offer up your time and your talents as a sacrifice to God to bless that person, right? There are so many things. He goes on to say another example of how we can offer up a spiritual sacrifice is that we can be the type of people, we Christians, can be the type of people that are easy to lead, we can be a joy for our leaders. I don't know if any of you have ever been like uh, in a department, maybe at your work or on a team or done a project where there was different people involved and you had to work together on something. And if you've ever had something like that, which probably a lot of us can relate, and you've probably can relate to a time when you were in a situation like that and there was a person or people on your team that you really wished weren't because they just made it hard. They weren't fun to lead. They weren't a joy to be around. In fact, they were a drag, right? 
The writer of Hebrews is saying, this is one of the ways we can offer ourselves up as a spiritual sacrifice to God. Like we can give of ourselves by being the kind of people that are a joy to lead. Likewise, we probably can all think of people like, if we ever had to do that project, that's the guy I would want on my team. Or if we were in this department, I would want that girl. If I could choose anybody to, to take from anywhere else in the business, anywhere else in the company, I want that person. I don't care if she's got the right skills for it. She's amazing. Like, I want her on my team. As Christians, like, that's a way. Like, let's live our lives like that, Right? And we're going to keep kind of fleshing out this idea of how God sees us now, kind of what's our part in it. Let's look at this next piece right here. In Corinthians, Paul says this. He says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I mean, when you think about this, we start to kind of build this picture. We don't have a, a go-between the way they had in the Old Testament. We can now go directly to God the Father through our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So we can now go directly to God. We can now offer up ourselves and offer up spiritual sacrifices directly to God. And now we hear that God is about the business of reconciliation. His mission is to reconcile every single person on the earth into a right relationship with him. We see elsewhere in scripture that God says that he wishes that none should perish, like no single person. God's heart and desire is that no person would ever die without knowing him. And we see in this passage this crazy thing If you're a Christian and this has never settled in on you and sort of made you be like, what? I want you to hear this. Paul says that God is in the business of reconciling people to himself, not counting their sins against them, not holding a grudge against them, but letting him know that he's for them, not against them. He wants them to be back in a right relationship with him. And through Christ, there is a way. And now get this. He says, and God gives us Christians the responsibility and the trust to be his spokespeople. He entrusts us with the message of reconciliation. Of all the ways God could have got the word out, of all the things he could have done, he said from this point forward, Those that put their faith and trust in my son are gonna be my ambassadors. You are gonna be my representatives. You are gonna be my spokespeople. 
Not that we have responsibility for the saving, right? We don't have that power. But that God, in his divine wisdom, would entrust us, you and I, to be his spokespeople, to get the word out about this ability to have a relationship with God, to let people know that there is a Jesus that has paid the price for their sin, to let people know that they can be right with God. Like when I think about it, it sort of gets me really excited and really nervous at the same time. Like, holy cow, what an awesome honor and blessing that God would trust us, you and I, to get the word out about this. Like, this isn't just sort of one of the things that God's trying to share. This is sort of the thing. And he trusts us to spread the word. So part of me is like, whoa, this is super cool. And then the other part of me is like, stomachache. Are you sure, God? Like, because I don't know if you know me, but sometimes I don't represent you very well, right? It's the crazy thing about God that he trusts us to represent him. The reality is this, it's like Jesus actually saying to us, I, I just imagine when I was kind of preparing for the message, I just, not that I'm, I'm hearing you know, Jesus talking in my earpiece or something like that. But I just imagine Jesus would say something like, you know, man, I'm so excited to have you in the family. I'm so excited that my Father in heaven trusts you to help tell people about me. You know, and like Jesus would, would look at us and go, don't worry, I got the saving part. God and I have got that figured out. You don't have to worry about that. but I'm really glad that he picked you to help represent me to your friends and to your family and the people you know. It's kind of reminiscent of a, a passage that Paul wrote in the letter to the Romans, right? He wrote this passage, let's look at it together, and it, it kind of helps sum up how cool this part is, this responsibility that we get. He says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Paul's getting to the heart of this deal, this like, this idea that as Christians, we are Christ's ambassadors. We're to represent Jesus to a lost and hurting world. We're to be his spokespeople. And it's like Paul's going, how will they hear unless you go? How are they going to go unless somebody says, go, go out there, send them out? And when he's talking about preaching, he's not saying, how will they hear unless they get to the right church with a preacher that's paid to tell them stuff? That's not what he's saying. He's not saying... How will they know unless someone preaches to them from TV or on a street corner? He's saying, how will they know unless other people like you proclaim? 
your faith in Christ, what you know about God, how to have a relationship with God the Father. How will they know unless you tell them? And he wraps it up with this funny little statement. I, we used to always laugh about this in youth ministry stuff because kids thought it was silly. Like, how beautiful are the feet? Look down at your feet, right? Probably don't look at your feet a lot and think, man, those are pretty. <laughs> right? How beautiful are the feet that bring the gospel? He's saying each and every person that gets up out of bed and steps out in faith to represent God, to be his ambassador, his spokesperson, man, you are looking good in the eyes of the Lord. God's going, that's my kind of gal. That's my kind of guy, right? Jesus takes it one step further, like to make sure that we're crystal clear that this is uh, really a big part of our role as Christians, like what is our part to play in our newfound faith, in what God is up to in the world. Before Jesus went back to be with the Father, he spelled it out like this. Look at this up here. He says this. You've probably heard this before. He says, then Jesus came to him and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Just to make sure we're crystal clear, Jesus is saying to all of us Christians, Jesus followers, he's saying to each one of us, he's saying, hey, Christian, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, in other words, I've got every right to tell you what I'm about to tell you. I have authority and permission to say what I'm about to say to you. And he says, you need to be about going out, making disciples everywhere, baptizing people, teaching them to obey what you've learned, teaching them to obey the word, helping them to stay faithful to their faith in Christ. And then just know that I'm going to be right there with you. Those people that got baptized on the video, the cool thing about that, yeah, there's some staff people in there, but you see a lot of other people around there. Those are people that are living out Jesus' instructions, like actually out there baptizing people, making disciples like a lot of you people are. Our heart's desire as a church that we would be the kind of place that is full of Jesus-loving, disciple-making, baptizing Christians. And that it would be the norm that the longer you're here and the more in love with Jesus you are and the more you care other people know about him, the more and more people you've had the opportunity to baptize. And it had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with a staff person or the church that they attended. It had to do with they came into contact with a representative of Jesus who spoke for Christ into their life. And from that relationship, they came to know and follow Jesus. And because you know them and love them and care about them, you taught them about baptism and you took them to the first water you could find, right? 
I know years ago we used to love hearing stories when I worked back in Pulse Falls and we did a lot of care groups and we did a lot of student ministry and stuff. It was awesome because we had all these groups going in homes, even with our students. They were in uh, home groups, meeting in homes. And all the time we would hear reports back after the fact, hey, last week I forgot to tell you, we baptized two of the kids in our group. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Right At care group the other night, two of the other care groups got together and we went to so-and-so's house because they were the ones with the hot tub and it was the only warm water we could find. And we did baptisms. I took pictures of them. What are we supposed to do with the pictures? That's a church. That's a body of believers like out there doing it, living it. And for us here at Real Life, that is what we're passionate about. That's what we want to equip you for. That's what we want to inspire you for, spur you on for, teach you, give you the knowledge you need, the wisdom you need, and the inspiration to go out and to be a come here, recharge, get excited, get taught, get fed, and get sent out, right? To be doers of the word. So to that end, there are some things we do here at Real Life that we are super passionate about. Um, you probably heard the phrase, like, we're going to major on the majors. Um, there are some things that we feel like are majors for us as a church, especially for me, where I'm at kind of new here. And for us as a campus in Pullman, there may be a lot of different ministry things we could do. And that I'm not saying any one of them is, is bad. I'm just saying these are the things we are going to zero in on and do well. And as a staff and as a team of leaders at our church here, we're going to do everything we can to make these pieces as effective as possible. We're going to do training. We're going to give you all the tools you need. We're going to teach you where you need to be taught. We're going to encourage you where you need to be encouraged. We're going to provide accountability. We're going to do the best we can to hit home runs in these areas. So let's look at what those are. They're in your notes too. So if you want to take notes on them, the first one is this. One-on-one -on -one discipleship relationships. The reality is sometimes it's really healthy for you to be in a one-on-one -on -one discipleship relationship. You and another guy, you and another gal, spurring each other along in your relationship with the Lord, having accountability there. Um, and oftentimes, especially with people that are newer a lot of times or different depending on what their background is, maybe that's a great place to start because going to someone's house might be a little bit too weird, right? The goal is that we point them to Jesus, not that they get to a care group first time we ever meet them, right? And so sometimes if someone's shy or bashful or they have different life experiences, taking the time to just dig in the word with them one-on-one, -on -one, answer questions, talk with them, be with them, actually be friends, that's a great start. So let's look at the next one. Uh, the me and three discipleship relationship, similar thing, but bringing a few more people into the equation. A lot of times they're gender specific, guys with guys, gals with gals. It doesn't have to be. It just a lot of times works out that way because of people's life and schedules and affinity and stuff. These are groups where you're going to be really intentional about helping each other grow in your relationship with God. Groups where you're going to spur each other along and help hold each other accountable to actually be living out the stuff we're learning, right? Those are the next ones. Uh, and then throw one more up there. Okay, men's and women's, both of those. 
um, men's and women's discipleship groups. The reality is this, probably all of us have heard this before. I'm about to reveal something amazing. Men and women are different, right? Who knew I was so smart? Guys like to get together and do stuff, right? Shoot things, smoke cigars, light things on fire, cut firewood. Ladies, if you didn't know your guy liked to do this, secretly give him a box of matches and see what happens, right? He will find somewhere, just, okay. Guys, we like to do stuff together. We like to fix things, build things, and we like to build our relationships with other guys around doing stuff. And so a lot of times, a lot of the men's groups are going to be, we're going to dig into the word together and we're going to go do whatever. It might be fishing, it might be firewood cutting, it might be serving other people. Guys like to put their hands on stuff and do stuff. Girls, on the other hand, like to get together with other women and... I was glad somebody came up with it because I have no idea. They love to talk. They love to do whatever they do over the... I don't know. I'm not even going to guess, because whatever I say, I'll get in trouble. <laughs> but it's true that it's sometimes really healthy for gals to get together with other gals and spur each other along in their relationship with God, to encourage each other, to provide accountability for each other, to be able to talk about stuff that's appropriate for ladies to talk about together, not in mixed company, and vice versa. So those are things that we really want to do well. Next one. Middle school and high school small groups. We are super passionate as a church, amen, sister. We're super passionate as a church about helping middle school and high school students grow in their walk with God, come to know who Jesus is oftentimes for the first time ever at a season in life where there's tons of transition going on. We want to be really good at doing the uh, everything we can to come alongside students in different small groups and youth group activities and environments to help students get to know and follow Jesus. Okay, last one, care groups up here. Okay, so care groups, to me, for us as a church, care groups are kind of like the backbone of the church. They are like the, they are the practical way across the board where the vast majority of people that come to real life are actually out meeting with other people on purpose every week so that they can help encourage each other, teach, equip, spur each other along in their relationships with God. And for our small group leaders, our care group leaders, I kind of look at them like, I don't know if, you ever, if you're a care group leader and you didn't think about yourself this way, uh, check this out. To me, care group leaders are like the special forces of our church, right? They're Green Beret material for me. You are on the front lines actually out there physically with other people talking about Jesus on purpose, being his spokesperson, representing him, digging into the word and hanging it out there. Maybe sometimes not quite sure what you're doing. I've been there a lot. So as a church, we're going to make some tweaks. We're going to make some little changes so that we keep getting better and better at hitting home runs in these areas of ministry. That we do everything we can to equip you and give you the right resources and the right tools and the right training and the right leadership so that each and every one of you can be the best spokesperson for Jesus, the best ambassador for Christ you can be, right? So in our care groups, one of the things we're gonna make some adjustments in is we're gonna add a level of coaching 
right now, and in a lot of play, in a lot of churches, it looks like this. There's a lot of care groups that go on, and there might be one person that's in charge of 25, 35, 45, 50 care groups meeting throughout the county. One person is going to have a really hard time overseeing, mentoring, shepherding, discipling, leading, equipping, encouraging, actually being in relationship with all the things we say we care about as a church. One person is going to have an impossible task to do that with 25, 35 groups. So what that puts us in a position is then we become this do what we say church instead of a do what we do. And we want to be a do what we do place. Like we want people to experience all the way through being invested in, being discipled, being pastored, looked after, cared for, equipped, as much as we can. We're, we're, we're human, we're not gonna be perfect. I'll tell you that up front. But we're gonna try really hard to put the right pieces in the right place. So what we're gonna do in our care group structure is we're gonna add coaching couples. So instead of one person overseeing 30 groups, one couple is gonna oversee two or three care groups. Another couple is going to oversee a couple other two or three care groups and so forth and so on. And then one person on our staff is going to pour into and invest and train a handful of coaches. And those coaches are going to pour into and invest and shepherd and pastor a couple or two or three small groups. And our hope and desire is that once a month-ish, not perfect, once a month-ish, a coach will be in a care group. So every care group, roughly once a month, would actually have a coach visit and participate and sit in the care group and be a part of it. Because we want to affirm what you're doing right. We want to see what's working. We want to encourage you. And we want to, as time goes on and as relationship allows, we want to come alongside you and help. We want to be a resource. If, we want to, if, if this stuff we're talking about is as important as it is, and if God has really entrusted each and every Christian to be his ambassadors, his representatives, then it isn't about trying to get everybody here so that everybody can hear from one or two experts. It's way more about us as a church doing everything we can to equip you God's chosen people to represent him in our county. And that's what we're about as a church. I get a little bit excited about it because it's really important to me. It's important to me that we're, that we're doing it, that we are loving people well, that we're caring about them well, and we're going to do everything we can as a church to be that kind of a church. Because the people that you meet and the time you invest and the love that you pour out to other people to represent Jesus well matters to us. We don't take for granted the effort that you put in and we want to be the best place for you to come and be equipped and inspired and encouraged and spurred on and sent out each and every week. So we're going to do communion here and we're going to uh, do the... We're going to try our speed buckets or whatever we got going on. So they'll, they'll start the buckets. Whenever they come by, just drop your deal in there. And again, with the buckets, it's not about, if you want to drop tithe in there, great. You don't have to. If you want to put it in the boxes in the back, you can. Um, 
If you pay online with your tithe or whatever, that's great too. It's not about like, oh, we've got to make it, you know, feel weirder so you have to tithe. It has absolutely nothing to do with that. We just care if you're here. And we care if you're not here and it helps us figure out when that happens. That's it. Okay? While they're getting ready to pass that stuff out, let's take a look at some of our little uh, nuggets we can chew on this week, the implications, some takeaway points, right? These are in your notes and they're up here too, but the first one is this. God entrusts us to be his spokespeople or ambassadors. If you haven't really chewed on that, if that's never really resonated with you as a Christian, I would encourage you to write that out, stick it on the mirror, put it on your closet or somewhere where you're gonna see it every morning. Like, God chose me to represent him to the people I'm gonna see today. Like, I get to be his spokesperson. And you, it should probably make you a little nervous and excited, right? Let's look at the next one. Are you and your family taking advantage of the discipleship opportunities we offer? As a church, you heard my best spiel right there, right? That's, that's what we're about. We love you guys. We care about you. We want to do everything we can to encourage you, equip you, give you the right tools, help create relational environments that make it easy for you to stay on track in your relationship with Jesus. That's what we're about. And I would hope that as people are a part of this church, the longer you're here, the less we would ever find anybody that's not connected outside of Sunday morning that people are doing those one-on-one studies, that people are meeting in small groups with guys and gals and care groups are full, and that it would be a rarity that a normal real-lifer, like every weekend person, would not be connected. That'd just be a part of the DNA of our church, is that we're actually living it out together outside of Sunday morning. Let's look at this last one. How long will you care for others without seeing the results you hoped for? Man, as we're out there, slugging it out in relationships, sometimes with our family, sometimes with friends, sometimes with coworkers or acquaintances, like how long are we gonna hang in there? Right? Are we gonna represent Christ well to them until it's difficult? Until they say what we want them to say? Or as long as God has us in relationship with him, let's represent him well. One week, one month, years. I don't know about any of you, but I didn't uh, turn the corner to be a Jesus follower overnight, right? It took me a long time and a lot of faithful people hanging in there with me. And I don't know if I ever would have or when I would have, If it would have taken a lot longer, I don't know. But I'm sure grateful that people hung in there with me, even when I was a pain. I pray we're that way with other people. We get the opportunity to be Jesus' ambassadors and represent him well every week when we go out, each and every day, because of what he did for us on the cross. Because he conquered death and sin, we now can be God's representatives 
It's why we remember what he did every week when we take communion because it's a big deal. That's why we remember that when he was betrayed, he, the night he was betrayed, he took the bread with his gang and he broke the bread and he gave thanks for it and he, he ate it and they said, eat that in remembrance of him. And then he took the cup and he told them that this was a cup of the new covenant. This, this, his blood shed represents the new way we can go to God without the priest. And every week we remember and are grateful for that as we take the, the cup. God, thank you that you're a good God and that you love us. God, sometimes we don't know what you're up to. It feels like you give us this huge responsibility to be your representatives, to be your spokespeople. But we know you know what you're doing. And we look in our own lives, Lord, that's so often how we came to know you was from someone else that reached out and cared about us. So help us to represent you well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Real Life. If you'd like more information on who we are, what's happening in our church, and how you can get involved, visit us on Facebook and Twitter, and visit our website, liferotp.com. 